This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Stranded. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Monday, May 23rd, 2022 is stranded. And that is the word that describes what happened to me this weekend. Let me give you a little background. I don't know what you all did this weekend. I had a great plan. The plan is I was going to Denver, Colorado. I was driving about an hour west on the I-70 to a little town called Silver Plume, Airbnb, a bunch of mountains around there, drive to different mountains, hike and run. The reason that that was the plan is today on May 23rd, I'm just telling you the story that in July, I'm going to Tanzania and I'm climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. And that sounds cool. I've never climbed a summit. I've never summited anything. I mean, maybe sports or business. No, I've never summited anything. Well, does it count like when you train on the garbage dumps in Florida, when you are training for the Boston Marathon and say, I summited the dump. That's pretty good. Or when you're when you're climbing a hill, like in grade school, hey, I got to the top of the hill. No, I'm going to a real summit. But climbing Kilimanjaro is not like Everest. So we've seen the movies. We've read the book into thin air. I'm not going to get frozen as far as I know, and stuck in the mountain to be discovered by anybody ever. But I think it's pretty cool. But here's what's even cooler is once I get to the summit of Mount Kilimanjaro, which happens like at seven in the morning, you summit after five days climbing Kilimanjaro, you leave at midnight, you get to the summit around 7 a.m. And then you celebrate, you drink some beers, and then you go down the mountain. No, no, not good enough for me. I'm going to summit Kilimanjaro and then run a marathon from the summit. The single most asinine thing I have ever decided to try. I'm not sure there are more than 100 people in the world who have ever done this. It's the world's highest marathon, as you could imagine. The summit of Kilimanjaro is around 19,000 feet, 19,300. Maybe the summit of Kilikoka is the exact capacity of the garden when I went to Nick Games, which was always attendance, 19,763. I'll never forget those numbers. Another sellout at Madison Square Garden. And I, back then, I was young, not in sports. I didn't assume they'd make that up. I could see there was not one empty seat. They certainly did announce that in the 80s when I couldn't see the blue seats through the smoke. But during the go-go Riley years, 19,763. That could be the summit of Kelly, but it's around there. Then you go to the top, you touch the top, you quickly get out of your hiking boots, put on your trail shoes, you give your second backpack to one of the Sherpas, and you start running. 
You run around the summit for a bit, not too long because the summit's not that big and then you die. And then you start running down Kilimanjaro, which took six days to go up. You run down Kilimanjaro and then you have another 13 miles to go once you get to the bottom, which is still not that low in terms of elevation. So living in New York and Florida in all of my years, my entire altitude training consists of going to Colorado to ski for three days, spending more time doing après ski and not even considering the fact that I could train or care about altitude training. So I went to Denver to do that. I wanted to climb a mountain and run around, run up, run down, mostly down, climb up, run down, fine. Get to Denver, 88 degrees, everything is great. I'm schwitzing, I'm hiking, my quads are burning, everything's beautiful. But there's this snowstorm in the forecast. What's the big deal with that? It doesn't snow that much in May. They're calling it a big storm, but I didn't think it would be a big storm. So cut to pulling into the Airbnb, which is on 70 West. You get off 70 West in Silver Plume, exit 226. There is no other way to get to this Airbnb other than getting on 70 West. Then you get off and then it's right on a road, which is really the exit ramp of 70 West, mile marker 226. You go straight, two and a half miles later, you make a left and you're in this amazing house, which is next to the highway. So it makes noise, which may explain why it was so cheap. We walk in, to the Airbnb, and here comes the property manager to tell us what to do. Take your shoes off, look out for bears. There's a fox who is in the lawn. The fox is going to come to the deck every night. Make sure that you do the following 10 things. He's got a beer. He's got a cigarette. He looks like Billy Bob Thornton. I have no idea what to think because I just watched the movie The Rental and reviewed it on nothing personal. My assumption was there are cameras in the shower, game over, sort of my thought, but I'm with a bunch of other people. It's fine. I'll shower in clothing because God knows if someone has peeping Tom cameras, they're looking for Samson as opposed to everyone else we're with, (laughs) not. So I really don't give it a thought except other people are far more friendly than I am in my group and they're talking to the property manager And they're saying, this is great. He wants to be helpful. They're giving out cell phone numbers. Let me know if there's anything you need. And all I'm thinking is, are you guys kidding me? Stop giving out numbers. Stop giving the code to the door. Let's just be done, right, with this man. Whether he's the nicest man in the world or not doesn't matter because all that matters is what's in my brain. And my brain is saying, flee, flee, flee. We go on a hike. Beautiful weather. This is on Thursday. No problem. Climb up to, I don't know, 11,000 feet. It actually was super hard. It was about a four hour hike. Yeah, backpack on. You've got, you got to carry your own stuff, not your clothes because the Sherpas do that. I don't think they're called Sherpas at Kili, actually. I don't know what they're called, but I'm carrying a day pack with food and you stop every bit because you think you're in shape that you can run a marathon at sea level. Then you take five steps in elevation in Denver at 11,000 feet. And you say to yourself, wow, my heart rate is higher than if I were running a four minute mile, at least what I would imagine it would be running a four minute mile, go up. And then part of the train is run down. So it was a two hour hike up to this monument and then 20 minutes for me to run down in my hiking shoes which, by the way, I'd never worn having gone to the REI co-op superstore in Denver with my 
close friend, cultural exchange club member, Javier, we closed that place down. I got every type of clothing you could get. I walked in there and I had a big dartboard right on my forehead because I said, hi, I'm David. I'm climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. I've never done it. I own nothing. And I've got capacity on the credit card. All of a sudden, alarms are going off. We've got coffee. We have a beer. We have people coming to us from every department. We're getting clothes. We're getting shoes. We're getting poles. Couldn't figure out the poles, by the way. Side note, during the hike, first hike, I got these amazing poles for trekking that they showed me how to do the best carbon fiber poles in the world. Luckies or Lickies or Lankies or Lemkies, Mark Lemkies. Could not get the poles to lock because they collapse because you have to put them in the day pack, which of course I had to buy water bottles, layers. You got to wear layers. So I have an underlayer, then a layer, then a layer. Then what if it rains? What if it snows? I mean, listen, I'm oh, that's me being a fish hook. So I'm in REI, get all this stuff, wearing all this new stuff. This is going to come into play later in the story, might I add. All sorts of new stuff. I look good. I look like I'm, I'm a hiker. I'm a professional hiker. I've got the, what are they, the cranberries, those hooks that you put where you can carry stuff. I don't think they're called cranberries, Coca. Cromers, cranberries, cra the cranberries. That cranberries was the song from, from uh, Click, which we were just talking about on Lebitard recently. Okay. Anyway, climb up, then run down in the new hiking shoes. Not bad. Feeling good. There's rocks. It's not as easy to run down. Believe it or not, running down is just as hard as running up, not for your wind, but your, your quads start burning and then you slip a few times, but you've got ankle support because I went to the shoe place at REI and I got amazing ankle support. Get to the bottom and uh, have a drink. I'm good. I feel good. Okay. Next morning, the snow comes. No big deal. About supposed to climb a 14er which means we're trying to get to 14,000 feet. We drive through snow. I can drive through snow. I've been to Colorado. I born in Wisconsin for crying out loud. So we get there. No one's really on the road. So I'm thinking this probably isn't the brightest idea I've ever had. So there's four of us and we are pulling into the place at the base where the hike starts. There's one other car with a woman. The woman, her name's Elizabeth. Good luck, Elizabeth. I know you remember us. Elizabeth said, hey, quite a day for hiking. And I said, are we safe? And she said, do you have two sets of GPS? Do you have a possible overnight pack? And how much food do you have? I said, huh? And she said, well, in weather like this, if you're going to do this climb, you're probably going to want to have GPS because you may not be able to see because of the snow conditions. And then you're going to make sure if you get stuck that you have enough to keep warm and this and this and that. And I said, all right, listen, I want to make it to the top of Kili. I want to run the marathon, but I really have no great interest in plotting like a frozen pizza in the middle of a hike in Colorado with no service on the phone, by the way, side note. Oh, do you have your sat phone, sir? No, no, can't say I've got that, but I've got T-Mobile. Does that count? We start climbing. I am reticent from minute one, but of course I don't say anything because I'm David Sampson and I'm never gonna be the one who says, oh no, you can't do that. Oh no, that's not smart. About, 100 feet in, I have a bit of a temper tantrum because I can't see and we're climbing and I can see the summit where we're going to. I can't, I already can't really see the car where I was. And I just pretty much said, F this and I'm turning around. Of course, the people I was with said, you're not really turning around. That's not you, David. Come on. And then like a high schooler with zits who can't get action, 
I succumbed to peer pressure. And I said, okay, fine. Turn around, climb, break, out of breath, get some water. Hands are freezing, numb. I've got the liner gloves. I've got the overliner gloves. I've got every layer because it was freezing after being 88, but I wore all these new layers. Got a coat, then the knapsack, day pack. Can't call it a knapsack. I don't know, has that been canceled? Like you can't say knapsack? Sound like a day pack. A 20L, they said. You need a 20L day pack. Don't forget, you need a duffel from North Face that's yellow, that's a 70L. And you should complement that with a 40L burgundy. And that's what you should take with you to Tanzania. Done. I'll take it. Take it. Take it. I was like Eddie Murphy in Trading Places and Dan Aykroyd when they're trading pork belly futures. Yes. Yes. If you're on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, you know exactly what I'm doing. Yes. Yes. Sold. Sold. Another shirt. Sold. Oh, you got to have socks that you can wear for three days. Sold. What? You don't wear underwear when you climb a mountain? No, you wear these shorts because you can wear them three days in a row. Sold. But you need four pair. It's a six day trip. Four times three is 12. That's twice as many. Sold. So we're going higher. We're going higher. Get to about 13,000 feet. And that was it. I couldn't see. And I said, I'm now not going to succumb to peer pressure. We all decided, yeah, this may not be smart. If we only knew that this was the beginning of not being smart, we make our way down. We're not running because it's completely snow covered now. Complete. There's no rocks. There's no path. And what we said is we're fine. We're going to follow our footprints back down. It's not exactly a marked trail. No one's on the mountain. And our friend who was the professional climber had passed us and was just rocking it. So on the way down, we can't see the footprints. So then intuition says, just go down. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? And I thought to myself, well, I've actually done a bunch of these things in Iceland and I'm not roped to anyone. What if there's a crevice, a crevasse? And I say, wait a minute, it's a mountain. It's a tree mountain during the summer. It's not covered. It's not a glacier. I'm not going to fall and I'm going to be fine. Could I be the Englishman who climbed up the hill and went down the mountain, went over the mountain, through the mountain and over the woods to grandmother's house we go? So I said, we're going to be fine, but I can't see the footprints. How do we know we're going to get down to where the cars? And if we don't get down to where the cars, then we're going to have to walk on this windy mountainous road to try to find where the car was parked. Anyway, a total nightmare. Make it down. We see the car, we sort of serpentine. Thank you, Peter Falk and Alan Arkin, GTS, if you don't know that movie, The In-Laws. And we make it down and we get to the car. White knuckle it back to the Airbnb. Roads are covered with snow, but it's doable. I've driven in the snow, no problem. Get back to the Airbnb, have a few cocktails. Everything's fine. Until a suggestion came, hey, why don't we go into Silver Plume and go to the one bar they have called Bread, which happens to be an amazingly cool place. And it's open from like four to midnight only on weekends. Figure that out. I asked why, actually. Spoiler alert, we went and I asked why. And she said, well, not exactly a big weekday crowd. I said, fair enough. So they have no food there except charcuterie. And they've got great, great drinks. So we ordered a drink and a charcuterie board. This is when I knew the night may not be good. The waitress says, sorry, came in today, ready to serve our charcuterie boards, the only food on the menu, and all of the cheese on the charcuterie board was moldy. I said, oh, well, I don't think we want that unless it's Roquefort. 
She looked at me strangely and said, I don't think you want that. So there was no food to be had at all because the only thing they had other than the cheese in a charcuterie board is stuff that I wouldn't eat in a charcuterie board, given the fact that I don't eat ham or pork ever. So no food, drink. The town over is a place called Georgetown, two miles 70 east out of Silver Plume. We say to the woman, yeah, this is a pretty serious storm. What do you think about going to Georgetown? She said, well, I probably wouldn't go. And we said, oh, you're local. What do you know? Get in the car, go to Georgetown, go to a phenomenal restaurant. If you've never been there, go to 511 Rose. Heard the whole story of the owner, a retired tech executive who just bought a place in Georgetown, bought a dilapidated old building. 170 years old, got down to the original floors. We heard the whole story. All locals were in there. And we said, why are there only locals in here? And they said, well, generally tourists don't like driving in this kind of weather. Too risky. Okay. Get the dessert. I think it's time to go. I said, I'm, I'm the designated driver. I'm not drinking. I, I want to get back to the Airbnb. Start driving in Georgetown to the exit and all of a sudden there's sirens we can't get on the exit on the entrance cut that let just get it right to entry right okay ready four six nine go to the entry of 70 west to go two miles nothing can't go meanwhile it's a, still light it's about 7 30 at night no problem let's find another way so we do a u-turn and realize the only way to this airbnb which our property manager never mentioned to us it's not on the website, is that you have to access 70 West to get to the Airbnb. There is no other way. There's no back roads, side roads, front roads, no roads. No problem. We'll go to a pizza place and we'll watch the Mavericks Warriors game. So we're watching the Mavericks Warriors play and every, I'm still a designated driver. Some drinks are being had. Meanwhile, the snow is really coming down. So I decide in about the third quarter, Hmm. I'm going to go outside and just see sort of where we are because already whenever we stop the car, we get full of snow. It was a total nightmare. And there's a woman there carrying two boxes of pizza. I said, hi, what, what are you doing here? She said, oh, I'm driving from Kansas to Utah and you can't get through 70. It's closed. And I said, yeah, but isn't it going to reopen? She said, no, it's not going to reopen. You're stuck here. And I got the last room in this hotel which was right next door to the pizza place. So I say to one of the people I'm with, I said, hey, will you come with me? I think we have a small problem. We may not make it back tonight. We got to go see if we can get a hotel room. Walk into the hotel room, walk into the hotel, go to the front desk. Phones are ringing off the hook. Meanwhile, there's now hundreds of cars around this area, all covered in snow, all with their blinkers on because Highway 70 is closed. If you're not from Denver, you don't realize what that means. But if you are, it's bad. It means don't drive. Of course, there's a warning that said, don't drive, stay in your house. And if you do drive, bring blankets and water and food and flashlights. Oh, my. No. Spoiler alert. Didn't bring any of those things. Go to the front desk. Say, excuse me, do you have a room? No, we're sold out. Well, is there any way? Because I told them my famous story. The famous story is, I know you say that you're sold out, but what happens if President Biden walked in right now and said, I'd like a room? And he said, there's no rooms. I said, OK, let me try it this way. What about President Trump? 
And he just sort of looked at me and said, there's no rooms. Like he didn't get what I was doing. I was trying to discern whether there was politics involved. I said, is this a money situation? Is everyone here? No rooms. All of a sudden I look down and I look and I'm pretty good with faces. And I said, wait, excuse me. Are you the property manager from our Airbnb? And he looked up and he said, what? I said, do you know who I am? Not like a Vince Namoli. I just got pulled over for DUI and I'm the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays. You know who I am? No, it's just, do you recognize me? Do you remember meeting me yesterday when he let me into the house? He said, you mean 218? I said, no. I said, it's the house. There were several of us and you had a beer and a cigarette and a dog and you were looking at some of the people we were with. Oh, yes, I remember you. We're too busy right now. Get out of here. Come back in an hour and I'll take care of you. I'm thinking we're good. We're done. We got ourselves a room. He recognizes us. This is great. Go back in an hour. Meanwhile, the snow's pouring down. It's worse than ever. I'm so furious because I can't believe we are about to get stuck. There are no other hotels. I mean, this is, we're done. Go back in an hour. And he says, listen, here's the plan. I'm going to keep checking the highway every half hour. At about midnight, if it's still not open, there's one room in the hotel. That room is my room but you're all invited to stay with me in my room. And I said, huh? No chance toilet pants. There was zero chance I was staying in that room. Now, the people I was with said, no problem, David. Why are you such, what are you, like a scared New Yorker? What do you, don't trust anybody? You cynical? Like, what could happen? And one of the, one of the bigger people said, you know, I could take them short of a gun, And I said, whoa, what are you talking about? We are not going with mixed company into a room of a stranger in deliverance country. It's not going to happen. Well, then what's the alternative? Sleeping in the car. So guess what? At about midnight, exhausted, totally freaking out, tweeting all the while, get in the car. I'm Googling without a charger. I'm running out of juice, trying to figure out, is this how you die by having your car on? I'm not going to keep the window open because the guy from the hotel kept saying, if you're going to be in your car, I'm going to come get you because you should be in a room. You shouldn't be in the car. And I said, what room? He said, my room. I said, I'm not doing that. So if I crack the window open, then he may be able to see me. By the way, I said I wasn't where I was because I didn't want him to know where I was. The only, there were a million cars on the street all covered with snow. But I had to Google. If you keep the car on and the heat on, what happens? Do you die? So I got upon information and belief. And if you GTS, you got to believe what you do, right? So there it happens. I get in the car, turn the heat on. And all of a sudden I'm feeling, wow, I don't feel that great. This is my brain. This is how it works. I'm getting carbon monoxide poisoning. Turn the car off. Four minutes later, freezing my testes off. This can't be. This is not going to work. I'm not equipped. I don't have the right outfit. I'm not ready for this. Is this really happening to me? Car on. So every 10 minutes, I turned the car off, kept it off for five minutes, then turned it on. 
trying to keep warm and not freeze to death. Where all I pictured was, this is how I'm going to be found in a rented Subaru in Georgetown, Colorado. David Sampson, 54, discovered in a car frozen or carbon monoxide poisoning. That's I literally was picturing that picturing that. A couple hours later, 70 opened, got in the car, and it was the most white knuckle horrific drive of 20 minutes back to the Airbnb. Come back, got back at 2.30 or 3, went to bed, woke up, immediately drove to Denver, go to the airport after getting in a run in Denver the next morning, go to the airport, feeling like crap, exhausted, sick, get to the airport, flight delayed. Thank you, Delta, hour and a half. No problem. Get myself a little stup to eat. Everything's great. And then I hear this noise. And when you hear a noise in an airport, you're thinking two things. You're thinking run or cancel. That's it. Flight canceled. Thank you, Delta. Luckily, for those of you who don't use travel agents, use them. Because everyone who doesn't have a travel agent stood on a line that lasted four hours and ended up spending the night last night in the Denver airport because the Denver on-site Westin sold out. We got ourselves on a JetBlue flight. Thank you, Dean, which was delayed. And I was in a middle seat from Denver. Now I'm spoiled, I grant you. Middle seat next to two rather large people, might I add. And I'm small and I'm grumpy and I feel like absolute ass. Pulled into home at 3.30 a.m. this morning. And here I am, live, coming to you. That was a weekend. How was your weekend? We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 
Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You just heard the story of the weekend. I'm David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, following, all the things you do that make our show what it is. I appreciate you and so does Coca. I told you I would review a movie called Taking Chance. Taking Chance is a movie that was given to me by a listener, and I watched it. We, we did a top five veterans list, veterans movies or wartime movies. It must have just been veteran, not wartimes, because wartime movies I would have had Platoon and I would have had the uh, Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks movie. What is that movie? Um, is this really happening to me? Saving Private Ryan. And uh, probably Full Metal Jacket would have been in there as well. But in any case, this was a top five veterans and, and someone wrote to me, watch Taking Chance. I had no idea what it was, Taking a Chance. What's the story? Taking Chance is a Kevin Bacon movie. Another way to do Six Degrees of Separation. I had no idea he ever made this movie. It's a couple years old. I don't even know how many years old it is actually, Coca. And Kevin Bacon plays sort of his character from A Few Good Men, but not a lawyer. He's in the Marines, and his job is to escort Chance, who's dead, killed in action. It's from 2009. Killed in action, home to his family. It's what you do when, apparently, it's what when there is somebody who's KIA, someone escorts that body back from the zone where the person was killed all the way to a base where they are, the bodies are fixed up and handled and then shipped to the family, whatever remains there are. This movie gets into some pretty serious detail about how bodies get back, the emotion of families, but the real movie is about what happens to Kevin Bacon, who is taking Chance, the soldier's name was Chance, and the impact it had on his life seeing how people were reacting to this body. When he gets put on an airplane through cargo, part of the rules, you have to never lose privity with your soldier who you are escorting. So he's on the tarmac, and then you've got the people, the luggage handlers and the pilots who are standing there and saluting, who stop what they're doing to recognize that there are people who do things, people who are not selfish, people who are willing to give their lives for our freedom. I was fascinated by the movie. It is slow, but in a way that you don't notice. It's important in a way that you don't realize. And the movie's called Taking Chance. You will take something from this movie. The question is what? It won't be chance. But I think what you may take from it is what I did, is as a society, we have not lost all of our finesse and all of our grace, even when it feels like we have taking chance all right coca play it you know what i want <laughs> i want to talk to samson so you want to talk to samson that's when you get into my twitter at david p samson hit follow please i mean we, we were supposed to have caught middlebrooks by now i'm not exactly sure what happened but Anyway, just at David P. Sampson, hit subscribe. I'll interact in the DMs as much as possible and ask a question, and it may make the show. David, comma, should Josh Donaldson be punished for his comment made to Tim Anderson? How does MLB decide what to do? Thank you for asking. Let me give you the background for those of you who aren't familiar with what's happening here. The Chicago White Sox were playing the New York Yankees. It has been a chirpy series. 
You've got the Yankees with maybe the best record in Major League Baseball. You have the White Sox who are incredibly injured, who are fighting just to get above 500, very much underperforming, chasing down the Twinkies in the Central. And no, to the 50 listeners, literally, Koki, there's 50 Twins fans who um, DM me saying, how could you not pick the Twins to win the division? Well, the Twins are outperforming tremendously. I picked the White Sox. I chose the White Sox. I didn't pick the White Sox. I promise that. I choose my White Sox after folding them. I don't bowl up my socks, actually, in a little bowl. And I actually fold them on top of each other. But I'm sticking with the White Sox. I'm sorry. But they're playing the Yankees. And there had been some stuff back and forth between the White Sox and the Yankees, specifically between Josh Donaldson, the new Yankees third baseman who came from the Twins in the AL Central, who play the White Sox 19 times a year. May I remind you? which ends after this season, by the way, when you next year, every team plays everybody else, but now you play more games against people in your division. So Josh Donaldson was well aware of the Chicago White Sox, maybe a pre-existing relationship with certain players, maybe not. Josh Donaldson, there was almost a brawl when he sort of need Tim Anderson to get off the bag on a tag. It was sort of a dirty tag, but a good tag, a smart tag if it's not caught. And uh, so just two teams when there are issues the umpires are made aware when there are issues between two teams. They know what to look for. Sometimes umpires give warnings to clubs before the game even starts. And that used to make me crazy because when you give a warning to a team and then a pitcher hits a, hit a batter, that pitcher under the rules of baseball gets automatically ejected because there already been a warning. And my view was, what if he just, what if he just loses it? Right? Like he goes inside too much. If you can't hit someone and you're worried about hitting someone, then you can't go inside. So you're giving the batter the plate. That's not a good idea. So Minnesota trades Donaldson to the Yankees. Donaldson played third base for the Yankees. Now the Yankees are playing the White Sox. And all of a sudden, there's a little hubbub going on between Donaldson and Anderson. And we're not exactly sure what's happening. And then after the game, Tony La Russa says what happened was Josh Donaldson made a racist remark to Tim Anderson. Tim, Tim Anderson is African-American. Josh Donaldson is white. Tony La Russa said a racist comment was made. And that was it. We didn't know what was said, where it was said, how it was said, why it was said. Then word comes out when Tim Anderson is interviewed after the game, Tim Anderson says, Josh Donaldson called me Jackie, as in Jackie Robinson. When I heard that, my initial reaction was, what? Why, why is Josh Donaldson doing that? That makes no sense to me at all. Why would you call a black player Jackie Robinson? Were you saying, hey, you're going to be better than Jackie? Way to go. You're that good. Was he saying, hey, you've got all the qualities of Jackie Robinson? Or was he saying, yeah, whatever, Jackie, right? So it's tone matters, intent matters. So it's a very confusing situation. But Tim Anderson after the game was very unhappy. And Tim Anderson gave a public interview saying, I don't accept that. I don't want to be spoken to like that. I don't want to be called Jackie. That is offensive to me. And guess what? It's high time in 2022 that we all realized that there are things that we thought were not 
insensitive that actually are, that people didn't have the strength or the platform to acknowledge or to say outward how sensitive that statement was. We don't look back at Animal House with John Belushi staring up someone's skirt in the bleachers, who that person, Blutarski, then becomes a senator, might I add, funnily enough. We don't realize what that may have felt like to that woman or when there are ridiculous shower scenes that are just perfunctory nudity or when there are racist tropes that are absolutely part of old TV shows and old movies. You just don't think about it. But that's not where we are today. Thank God. Where we are today is that you have to think about it. You have to be more respectful and you have to check yourself. If you have a way of talking that is not sensitive anymore, you've got to change the way that you talk. If your words hurt somebody, that means those are hurtful words. It doesn't matter that they weren't to you. If they are received as hurtful, they're hurtful. So Tim Anderson gives an interview after the game saying that was hurtful, basically. I found those to be absolutely inappropriate. Well, your manager, Tony Larissa, called them racist. Did you think they were racist? Asked a journalist. His answer was, I think that you heard from the manager, and I'm just telling you that I don't, I don't accept that, and I don't want to be treated that way. That's it. That's the end of it. Josh Johnson gets interviewed immediately and says, listen, I called him Jackie. That's true. But two years ago, he was interviewed and he called himself Jackie. And I've joked with him about that. I've said it to him in years past. It's always been joking. That's Josh Allison's story. And he's sticking to it. Not quite the story of trying to prove you're not racist by saying you've got a black friend. But pretty close. Because when you are in a situation where you are doing something, you better have backup to your story. Here's the problem that Josh Donaldson has. Even if Tim Anderson asks to be called Jackie, the minute he says, I don't want to be called that anymore, you have to stop calling him that. If, in fact, he never liked being called Jackie, then Josh has another problem. The biggest problem is Rob Manford's. Rob Manford has, as head of on-field discipline, my good friend, someone who worked with me for over a decade, Michael Hill, who happens to be African-American. He's going to be in charge of this. So here's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to interview Josh Donaldson, which we read in the paper that he did. He's going to have to interview Tim Anderson. He's going to have to figure out what's going on and then make a suggestion to Rob Manford. And Rob Manford is going to listen to Mike Hill, not because Mike Hill's black, because Mike Hill's smart, Mike Hill's proportional, and Mike Hill knows what is right and what is wrong. God, I wish I could just ask Mike Hill. I would never do that. Hey, what are you going to do? I don't think he'd even answer, as he shouldn't. Would he say off the record? I don't think he'd do that. I don't break news here, so I don't think he'd even think that. When you're interviewing Josh Donaldson, what do you ask him? 
Hey, you and Tim, good friends? No. Do you have any sort of relationship? Like, do you go out to dinner, drinks? Like, would he know you're joking? And if he knew you were joking, you've called him that times before, then why did he have the reaction they had this time when the bench is almost cleared? Once they were almost clearing, did it occur to you that maybe you shouldn't have said it? Did you tell? Did you say it to him more than once? Hey, Tim, are you good friends with Josh? Anything? Let's speak to some teammates. Hey, Liam Hendricks, what are your thoughts on that? Well, he's my teammate, but I'll tell you something. My teammate is Tim Anderson, and I do not approve of what Josh Donaldson did. Well, but he's the Yankee, and you're the White Sox. Let's talk to some Yankees. Hey, Aaron Boone, what do you think? Yeah, I told Josh, yeah, you may have been kidding. I sort of get the context of what you were saying, but boy, you don't really want to go there, do you? Shouldn't do that, should you? All right. What about you, Giancarlo? Aaron Judge? Any thoughts? Want to comment on your teammate? I know Giancarlo Stanton very well. Giancarlo Stanton would not care one bit about what Josh's intent was. He's not going to be out front and tell you that his teammate should be suspended for the rest of the year, kicked out of baseball. But you can bet that Giancarlo Stanton is sick and tired of hearing insults, hearing racist remarks by people, teammate or no teammate. He would want to make sure that baseball does something to finally say, hey, it's nice to wear Jackie Robinson's number 42 once a year. It's nice to say that we have all his core values. But when it comes down to nut cutting time, are you going to do something that shows that you are going to back up one of your best, if not your best, one of your best African-American players and let everybody else know? No, not today. Yesterday, maybe tomorrow. We certainly hope not, but not today. So Major League Baseball has no choice but to suspend Josh Donaldson. And you're going to see that. The reason why Major League Baseball has no choice is when all of these leagues, and I, I can't really speak for the NFL because Roger, I don't think answers to anyone or cares about anyone. I guess, I guess oh, you just have to be good. If you're a good player, then you're okay. Major League Baseball is trying to They've tried to be at the forefront. They hire groups to analyze their diversity and all the organizations get ranked. We know that it is a huge priority to get African-American or any people of color into the manager position, into the general manager position, to the president position, into the ownership position. We know that baseball is trying to be different. They know their background. They know very well that the reason Jackie Robinson is famous is they finally allowed a black person to play white baseball. And this isn't that long ago, folks. 75 years is not that long to break the color barrier in a sport, in my opinion. So given the name Jackie that was used, given the relationship that MLB has with Jackie, that they've used Jackie Robinson as their platform for wokeness, as their platform for racial awareness, they cannot sit idly by and let Jackie's name, in theory, be sullied. They've got to set an example. So then I started thinking, do you give him five games? Do you give him 10 games? I would not. You give five games to a pitcher who hits a batter, there is something about the physical nature of a sport with a weapon like a bat or a ball. 
And we still feel as though physical harm is far greater than mental harm. That is baseball. That is life. That is us. That is not me anymore. We've talked on this show where mental harm is just as punishable as physical harm, in my opinion. It's about time that we recognize that mental injuries are just as significant as physical injuries. We're not there. We're getting there. Can we prove that Tim Anderson is injured? No, but we can sure as heck prove that plenty of people watching baseball and little kids reading articles and hearing this are hopefully asking their parents, hey, what does it mean to call someone a Jackie? Hey, Jackie, maybe the parents take advantage and talk about Jackie Robinson, the core values, and it's used as a learning experience. But the bigger, better learning experience is understanding what you can say, when you can say it, and why you're saying it at all. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Either way, we're going to revisit it. I'm going to give you a wait to see about this because you've asked and you want to know. Josh Donaldson will be suspended by Major League Baseball. And in my opinion, it will be for two games or fewer. It will be for under the amount of games that a pitcher is suspended. Although I always argued as an executive side note, Coca, when our pitcher starting pitcher would be uh, five games suspended, that's like a one game suspension for a position player, right? If you think about it in that way, because they're missing one turn and we always appeal it and try to get it down to four and they'd say four, then he's not missing a game. The point is we want him to miss a game when you're a position player and you play every day, you only need a one game suspension to miss a game. So one game suspension to position player is the same as five for a pitcher. What if Josh Donaldson had been a pitcher? Would that have changed my mind on the number of games of suspension? Interesting, but no, because really what a suspension is for a player standpoint it means they lose money. So if Josh Donaldson is making what, Coca, $20 million a year, let's say he's making $162 million a year. That means if he misses one game, he gets paid a million a game. That's a million dollar fine when you miss a game. So that's why MLB will suspend Josh Donaldson for the reasons I gave you previously in this video on this show. And he will not appeal as a second part of the wait to see. He will serve his suspension. He will come out with another apology different than his explanation interview. And that will be the end. Because what baseball needs to have happen is that this story needs to go away. I would embrace it and use it as a teaching moment. But with this suspension, it's going to get brought back up again. And MLB is going to try to bring it back down again. That's what we do as businesses. That's what we do as organizations. Do anything we can to get you not to talk about things that we don't want you to talk about. Wait to see. Hey, we had a baseball wait to see on Friday. Max Scherzer, May 19th, we said Scherzer's going on the IL. Sorry, Mets fans, he's out six to eight weeks. Yeah, that little side strain, it's called an oblique. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We are 63 and 48. We won the pick on Thursday. We had the Celtics plus four versus the Heat in game two. That was a winner. Hell yeah. All right, let's talk about game four. Home court advantage is like, what, what's going on in this in this sport? We, we uh, Tomorrow, I want to talk about basketball. I want to talk about what's happening with the Warriors, the Mavericks, and the Celtics in the Heat. But for now, we got to give a, a pick. 
Do you think that Jason Tatum is going to do what he always does, which is have a crappy game and then follow up by a ridiculously great game and where the shooters who can't shoot the ball well in one game all of a sudden shoot the ball well in another game because whoever shoots the most wins, right? That's what basketball is. If you're hot, you win. If you're not hot, you lose. It's Chuck and Duck. Shoot me a three. There are people who are driving the paint who could lay it up, get the contact, and then get to the line try for a three-point play, and they're kicking it out for a three-point shot where people are shooting 20%. When you're near the hole, your percentage is quite a bit bigger, larger than 20%. I think we should make layups four points and then three-pointers three points. And how about a little 15-foot middle jump shot Jimmy Butler special? Make those three points as well. It's ridiculous. Celtics are favored by six and a half over the heat tonight and we're taking them that series is going to be tied at two nothing personal pick of the day Celtics six and a half overheat all right thank you for letting me tell you the story of my weekend and thank you for letting me discuss what happened with Josh Donaldson we'll see what happens but I would expect action by MLB rather quickly on this issue because they do not want the narrative to be that they are sitting on their hands and guess what we'll be back tomorrow live and I'll be warm and maybe even showered. It's just business. This is nothing personal. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.